MYP fam, welcome back to another episode. And today is another episode with a fantastic guest and a, actually a repeat guest, one of the few repeat guests that we've had on the show, Mr. Dr. Joe Salustio. And he is the founder of the Ed Up Network. And if you want to learn how to grow a network, and the benefits of growing a network and all the things that come along with that, go back and listen to the first episode with Joe. But today we talked about writing a book from a podcast and how a podcast actually led to writing a book. And it's a fantastic interview and something that I've been thinking about doing and I know a lot of people have been thinking about doing, which is turning their podcast interviews into a book. And Joe's now hundreds of episodes in and he's been able to take a lot of the content that has come up in those interviews and turn those into a book that people can read. And so we talk about all the benefits that come along with that. We also talk about the challenges that come along with writing a book, but it is a fantastic interview with a good friend of mine. So without further ado, let's get into today's episode with Dr. Joe Salustio. Guys, MYP audience, I want you to welcome back for a second time, Mr. Joe Salustio. Is it Dr. Joe? It is now. Yeah, since 2019. Congrats on that. And I know we were at a wedding over the weekend and someone was saying it was interesting, the dad and he had doctor at the beginning and someone made a comment and we're like, damn, if I went through all that work, I would make sure they called me doctor as well. So I wanted to give you your due if that was the case. Well, thank you. Joe's fine. Joe's fine. You know, they say if you're a medical doctor, you have to do that. But if you're an educational doctor, there's juries out. That's funny. Well, Joe, thanks for coming back and time around. I would encourage you guys to go back and listen to the last episode with Joe. We talked about building a network, growing a network and all the cool things that he's been doing with the EdUp Network. This time we're going to focus on a little bit different. He's actually about a month away as of this recording. And I'm sure as you guys are listening to it, the book is going to be available for you to go out and read. Well, I'll let him kind of explain how it came. But the podcast, I think, was a big part of birthing the book. So, Joe, you want to kind of want to share that story on the how the podcast connected to the book or kind of what that through line was? Yeah, you know, we uh, the Yetup experience of a podcast, of course, it's a higher education focused podcast. And we started at the pandemic. We started January 25th was our first episode, January 25th of 2020. So we're like, oh, yeah, we're just going to have fun with this podcasting thing. And about nine episodes in, then it was COVID everything. And so we were able to document through that process almost what COVID did to higher education. And so my co-founder, Alvin Freitas, said really early on, he said, you know what, someday we're going to write a book with all these episodes. So let's start asking the same question to every guest to end the episode. And it was, what do you see as the future of higher education? So we have all these episodes. We've done 500 and something now, 508, I think, 515, somewhere around there. But the first bit, we go back and you listen. And of course, they're a lot rougher than they are now. But we asked all these guests, what's the future of higher ed? So we started to create book content really early on by asking that one question. And so we took 100 interviews with college and university presidents, and we distilled those down. I got a co-author. Her name is Kate Colbert. And she's doing a lot of the heavy lifting and coding and quoting and all that stuff. And we take 100 interviews with the college presidents and we distill it down to about five really big themes and we're writing a book about it. And that was, I think, one of the big ideas we had at the beginning is like, what do we do with all this content? And let's try to write a book. And it all came together a couple of years later. Has that made it easier or harder to write a book? Having all of that, you know, raw material to work with, right? Has that been cumbersome or has that made the process easier? Boy, that is a good question because I think my answer would be different before than it is now. And there's got to be like a content sweet spot in there to write a book. We felt like 100 was like a cool number 
because if we're going to sell a book, but then we got to writing, it's like, how do we get to this point? How do you take a hundred college and university presidents? Who do you highlight? You can't highlight all 100. So if you're going to highlight some, how do you pick and where, how do the quotes have relevance? And there's just an overwhelming amount of content. So I think going in, it was not enough content in my mind. Like we need more. And then now coming out of it, we could have written a book with 10 college and university presidents. We could have written a book. So it's kind of a little bit of both, to be honest, but it is an overwhelming amount of content when you get down to the richness. You're talking about an industry going through incredible change and students and parents and brothers and sisters and everybody's experiencing higher ed. Even those that aren't are telling you why they're not experiencing higher ed. So there's so much to write about and so many people that have something to say. So it has been a balancing act to say the least. A lot of people might say, why spend the time writing the book? You've got the podcast. So why the book? And in your guys' mind, because it's a lot of effort, it's a lot of time, it can get expensive, I could imagine. So in your eyes, what makes it worth it to take on this whole new undertaking in Medium? Yeah, that's important to the overall strategy, right? So I think we knew originally that the depth of information we had could warrant a book. Now, we couldn't write it. I'm not a book writer and neither is Elvin, right? My co-founder. So we needed to find somebody that went, yes, look at all your great content. We could write a book with this. So that's what made it worth it in the first place was finding somebody that was not us to do a lot of the work, right? Because if you sit down and you think about writing a book, it's like writing a dissertation and I ain't about to write one of those again. I already did that once. It ain't happening again. We found a, pink, a purple unicorn in our co-founder who has higher ed experience, was on a higher ed board and was an author of two other of her own books. And so it kind of lined up. And from that point on, the worth for us comes in expertise in the field. But then how do we leverage it into keynote speaking opportunities? It's not just selling books. It's about how to become an authority in the space. And there's so many conferences in higher ed. So how do we speak at those conferences and come to those places and speak and end up keynoting? And then what comes of it? You know, there's more episodes now that we have done since the hundred. So do we have like a PDF of the next 50 and the next 50 after that? And so we're thinking about it in terms of almost like a series at some point too. So I think that's what makes it worth it for us is that we compelled to do something with the content. And not everybody does listen to podcasts, to your point. Not everybody listens to podcasts. And so if there's a fan of the podcast that looks at it and goes, oh, wow, they've done 300 episodes. How could I ever go back and catch up? Well, let me catch you up with the book. And then you could come into episode 515, like never needed to go back to listen to the others. So it was just a strategy to meet people where they are with their learning preference. That's a great point that it's not only about reaching new audiences, but it's also about being a little bit of a bridge to new audiences. And what a great point. You guys had thought about the fact that it will one day become a book. And so you started to ask questions in that regard. Is there anything else that you guys did that you were thankful? Like, thankfully, we did this because now it made the, the rest of the process so much easier. Yeah, I would say there was some intentionality in the who. When we were going for guests originally, you know, we wanted to be as diverse as possible with who we interviewed and higher education. You may have a ton of listeners that really don't care about higher ed, but if you think about your own industry or how you're podcasting, what you're podcasting about, we wanted to make sure we interviewed enough guests from enough different backgrounds to appeal to enough of an audience, right? So we were really trying to cast a wide net. So we tried to find as many women presidents as possible and black and brown presidents and Latino presidents so that we could diversify the content and the perspective, right? Because perspective for us was critically important. Everybody's coming from a different spot in an industry. Like I say, you may not care about higher ed now, but you know somebody that does, or you may soon if your kids try to go to school. So there's all this, this real critical importance to the industry. But I think that was a big 
key for us was as many voices as possible. And what ended up happening is people found out that we never said no. Hector, I'll be honest with you. At the beginning, we were like, yes, we'll interview you. Yes, we'll interview you. Yes, we'll interview you. And then I was booked out. Elvin books, he like books me and then he does a lot of the back end stuff. So he's booking me and I've got two or three episodes a day and I was trying to hold the job and I was like, this cannot happen. So not that we have started saying no, but we're pushing things out further. And that's the part I hate because, you know, somebody that's awesome comes on and now it's March of 2023 before I get them. And it's very difficult to say yes to everyone. So it's about balancing the diverse voice with wanting to service everybody at the same time. Yeah, you've had to create, I know you've had to make some decisions about your output. And I've talked a lot about just publishing more often. And, you know, yeah. There's probably, I think, an episode that we did about that. Go back and listen to it. If not, we'll make one. Because it's so important for people to realize that that is an option. However, you guys, and I know Elvin, he's a workhorse. And uh, so I'm not surprised, you know, just you had to throttle him a little bit. But you guys have experimented with all sorts of publishing schedules, releasing all sorts of different amounts of episodes per week. Can you talk about what that journey has been like? And kind of, you feel like you've now found a sweet spot. Can you share a little bit about maybe what that is for you guys? Yeah. So Elvin and I both have marketing backgrounds. So we're always about testing. How do we test this, test that? So of course, we started out like everybody else. We started with one episode a week. And originally, we did release three at the same time. Like we didn't just publish one. We published all three at the same time because we felt like, well, it's Netflix. And if you go and you're going to watch a Netflix show, you want to go watch the second episode right when you want it. So if we did three, maybe we get you hooked to wait for number four. So that was kind of like a cluster, a cluster bomb, so to speak. And then because of the demand and we were actively recruiting guests, it would go went to two. We're doing like Monday and Tuesday. Then it went to three. And we were releasing Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Then it went to four. We were doing Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday. Then it got to five, an everyday podcast. And then we started doing bonus episodes on Saturday. So we were doing six a week for... Now think about the recording of that. The sixth one was the bonus one. The bonus, yeah. I mean, you had to go through the first five to get the bonus. But we were like, we just can't put out a sixth episode. We have to call it something different. But we said, okay, we'll do on the Friday and Saturday ones, we'll do 10-minute podcasts. And the rest of them, we'll do 40. And then we said, what about a 20-minute episode? And so we started calling them different things, like what's the brand for the short episode? What's the brand for the long episode? So it was too much, right? We had full-time jobs, so that was too much. So we really scaled it back to three. And we tested, right? We felt like the feedback we got from people when we got to six, it was like, we can't keep up with your content. There's just too much. There's too much. So like, okay, we'll go back to three. Even that I think can be rough sometimes for people who are listening every day or whatever. And there are a lot more people out there listening than we ever thought. And we think a lot of that is due to what you suggest and your advice, which I follow on LinkedIn, publish more. That was us. Well, what if we publish more episodes? Yeah, it might be the same person listening twice, but they're more likely to tell somebody about it if they hear it more often. So it was back to the old marketing tactics of how many times do you have to hear a message before it sinks in? Seven times or whatever it is. So we just published and published and published until we found a sweet spot. And we would look at our fluctuations in audience. And for us, sometimes it wasn't about how many people listen to the podcast, but how many companies listen to the podcast that wanted to be part of it, whether it was through advertising or whatever. So there were two different audiences we were trying to serve as well. Yeah. So now that you've got the book and you've got the podcasts and now they're kind of in motion, how do you see the two fitting together or what sort of things are you kind of thinking about or trying to do to make sure that they leverage each other and are not kind of these siloed entities? One of the most important and significant developments that have come out of the Edup Experience podcast 
is our live podcasting. Because we work in an industry with lots of conferences, we thought, man, we never have been to a conference where anybody has a podcast there live. So we pitched it to a great friend of ours, a company called Anthology. And they do, they're they a big, huge, multi-billion dollar company. And we got with their team and we said, hey, look, we'll come do it in person. We're going to bring all of our equipment. We're going to sit down and we're going to be at the conference. And you know what happened? Nobody came over to podcast with us. That's what happened on the first day anyway. And then it warmed up and we did 17 podcasts in three days and we were publishing them an hour after we recorded them so that people were walking from conference room to conference room, listening to the podcast of their peers while they were going to session to session. And so I imagine us that when we go to the next conference to your question about how do we leverage these things together, the book will be there and the book will be there for sale. And because the book is based on our interviews with people in higher ed, we can keynote about the book. We can represent the Edup Experience brand and have the book there simultaneously. That's where the natural synergy was for us is that it's kind of like one or the other or both. But if you just want one, you get it. If you want the other, you get it. But if you want both, we'll bring them. I'm fascinated by this live podcasting thing. You know, we've done something similar at Traffic Conversion Summit. It's a big marketing conference. We had a Volkswagen booth, like a Volkswagen beat but a van outfitted with and rigged up with some mics. And it was kind of a cool thing. And it was really awesome because you were able to bang out a ton of interviews in a short period of time. Everyone's there. But I'm curious for you guys, how and what was your thought process? Or I'd love to hear some of your insights. I just think that the concept of going and doing that is I think there's something really there. And I think it's going to take off in the next little bit and people are going to see more and more of it. Yeah, I think so too, right? Because I mean, it's just a combination of everything that's cool, right? You go to like a higher ed conference, you go to a conference, they're not, sometimes they're not awesome. I mean, there's moments, there's boring moments or whatever. What do you do between sessions, right? There's always at these conferences, no matter what industry, you go to this session, it has meaning. And then what do you do in the middle of it? People are walking around, they're talking, whatever. What if in between those sessions, they could stop, they could talk about their experience at the conference. And then the conference, of course, is getting free testimonials, right? So that's why they want you there is because you're going to, you know, how's your experience at XYZ? Oh, I love XYZ. You know, so they're getting these walking, breathing testimonials in real time. And the institution for people who we interviewed are getting free marketing for their college. We were paid to go and podcast, so we'll interview anybody. And so you can be from a small college or a big college or a company an ed tech company and we're going to sit down, we're going to ask you about your company and we're going to talk about what's going on in higher ed and we're going to give you that experience. And then you sit down and you throw the headphones on and you throw the mic on, right? Hector, isn't there this like, who the heck are these podcasters? Who are all these podcasters that are out there and how do you do it? I hear that all the time. Like, how do you do this podcasting thing? What's funny is that just recording in now, granted it was a Volkswagen van, but it was just a spectacle. People were coming up and taking pictures and recording videos of just the recording. They didn't even know who was in their recording, but it is cool. It's the experience. And so these conferences want you to have a good experience. We had one guy we sat with that first conference that said the best part of the conference was when he came to the podcast because it was just like this, I don't know, it satisfies your ability to want to be a star a little bit and have your mic time. It's just cool. Yeah. It gives you your little 15 minutes. Yeah. So, Joe, this has been really fun. I'm curious, last couple of things here. You have a very niched audience and one that a lot of people might make excuses about and go, well, my demographic, they're highly educated, they're maybe a little older, they're they're whatever, right? But you guys have really built a thriving community of people who have figured it out. And so I'm curious what that experience has been like, kind of seeing this community grow. And if there's any advice for people who are maybe making excuses about, well, my audience is this or my audience is that because you guys have kind of bucked all those. 
I mean, I know profile and begin to understand all the different audiences out there, but I will tell you a higher education audience is very hard to break into. When you think about higher education professionals in universities and colleges, typically podcasting. You know, the demographic of your professors, of your presidents, of your administrators is older, not younger, typically. And we were a really hard time at first, like breaking into the industry. But we found our diamonds in the rough, people that listen to the podcast, that we're in our demo, that we're passionate about education, that helped us boost our message. And we included them in the process. You know, I like to say we're like a crowdsourced higher education podcast. And we listened to the other ones out there that were not awesome. And we said, how do we make ours more fun? Because if you're going to listen to something, it can't be boring, right? People want to listen because it engages them. So you have to find ways to engage people. And so we thought, how do we do this? Can we play a game in the middle? Higher ed people going to want to play a game? You know, I started something called Higher Ed Word Association in the middle of my podcast, where I literally stop the episode and I say, it's Higher Ed Word Association. I'm going to give you a statement and you're going to tell me exactly what's on your mind when I say it. So I'll say something like, oh, I don't know, um, drops, students who drop out of class, what's on your mind? And so right on the spot, the guest has to tell me what comes to mind and elaborate on it. And it just kind of keeps a different type of energy going. I've done true false questions. I've just kind of broken it up so that I can get a laugh or two out of the audience while I talk about something that's critically important, which is educating our communities. So, you know, I think that's, you got to figure out how to serve your audience in a way that brings more people in. How do you serve your core? How do you bring more people in? And there's a strategy that has to be built around that. It just doesn't happen for no reason. Couple questions to get us out of here. I know Elvin does a lot of the production, a lot of the back end. Is there a favorite tool or a piece of equipment that you like that you stand by? If someone is asking you, you know, hey, I'm about to get into podcasting, is there something that you feel confident and excited about actually recommending? You know, Elvin, if he were here, he would tell you he does everything on his phone. So he does all the graphic design, he does all the editing, he does everything on his phone, and he does it in the bathroom while his kids are sleeping because he lives in a New York City apartment with one or two bedrooms. So he would tell you if it's not accessible on my mobile, I'd use it. So I don't know exactly what he's using, but I do know that it has to have that level of convenience for him. I've tried to get him on before, and he's always deferred to you, but I think maybe he's the real mastermind. He's the mastermind. Let's be honest. He put me on. He's like, you're better on the mic. You do all the mic work, and I'll sit behind the scenes. I'll be honest with you. I do have a Zoom PodTrack P8. This is my deal. It's my baby. So one of the things I said, and back to my original point in your question, how do I diversify my audience? I brought in in-episode sound effects. That was one of the ways I evolved. And so I downloaded all these sounds. I've got like 16 different sounds and I rotate them. And while my guests are talking, I hit sound effects, right? Like, I don't know, water splashing or a bomb going off or, you know, mic drops or words that say fabulous or amazing. So my guests have a different type of podcast experience. So podcast Track P8. Love that. And I do it in episode. And it's hard, man. That's hard to do to time those things right. So hard, but done well. And I think to your point, constantly looking to level up is something that you have to do and find ways to do within your constraints because it seems like that's not going to get added by Elvin on the toilet. So you need to do it live there in recording. Yeah. Sometimes it's two or three seconds late. I tell my guests that in advance. Joe, is there anything you're excited about when it comes to podcasting when you think about, I don't know, whether it's tech or videos or Google or YouTube or, you know, I could even maybe in regards to your book, just when you think about the future of your show, even what do you get excited about? 
for us, it's continuing to have the conversation around helping people get education or experience it. I would say for the broader podcasting universe, eliminating pod fade, I think for people that start podcasts, it's important to stick with it because there is a true valuable medium here that companies are becoming more and more interested in. And it can't be just, oh, let me start a podcast and do a couple episodes and see what happens because I think that can hurt the overall industry. It shows us to not be the serious producers and media influencers that we are. So if you're going to start a podcast, come up with something good and stick with it. Do once a month for 12 months and just stick with it over a period of time and make it a daily habit. And then increase your number of episodes from there. But this is a serious media outlet. I mean, we've had over 200,000 downloads in our 500 episodes. It's created incredible partnerships and networking opportunities and everything on top of the podcast itself, if you know what you're doing. Yeah, so valuable. And I had never really seen what people were talking about when they poo-pooing the free hosting platforms, you know, but that makes sense. And I get that now because, yeah, you are grouped in a little bit with all of the the other ones. And so we collectively kind of have to raise our, our game. Joe, what's the name of the book? By the time this comes out, people can go get it. Can you let us know where and what to get? It's called Commencement, the Beginning of a New Era in Higher Education with Insights from 100 plus college and university presidents. It is on Amazon. Just look up Commencement. And if you start typing the beginning, you'll find it real fast. And you can go to commencementthebook.com if you want to buy it direct. And we appreciate anybody who supports us and listens. And of course, listen to this podcast because Hector gives out great advice and having great information on. I appreciate you having me. Yeah. And the EdUp experience. And is there any other anywhere else people should go and connect with you? You can get me on LinkedIn. I'm easy to find Joe Salustio. And then, of course, www.edupexperience.com. Well, Joe, congrats on the book. Congrats on all the success. And for some reason, I feel like I'm the guy on the side of the marathon, like holding the cup as you're running by. And I don't even feel like that. Maybe I'm just sitting there waving with a sign. Maybe I just have a sign that's saying, go, go right here. Yeah. If you had water, I would take it. For, I would take a drink some days. I'm going to need it. Well, thanks again for coming on and guys, go get the book and go listen to the podcast and we'll see you guys on the next one. 